0: Welcome to living with a disability. No big deal. This podcast is for people who want to learn how to thrive with a disability. It is also designed to share insights for those who have friends or family with a disability. Brad Gabrielson, our host, was born with cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair for mobility. He is a North Dakota native and believes life is about managing challenges with understanding, mental toughness, and determination. Welcome
1: another episode of living with a disability no big deal podcast my name is brad Gabrielson. um we're talking today with uh, uh, representative of roll around greg mall how are you doing buddy
0: Uh, not too bad brad uh sounds like you uh maybe a little under the weather today why don't you tell the folks what you're dealing with today you sound a little little off
1: I, i know i got a little bit of uh i think congestion going on so that's what I'm dealing with today a little bit.
0: A little bit of a little bit of a cough and it's uh 18 below zero. So uh it's cold. <coughs> yep. Perfect weather for it. Well, um, uh, so what are we uh what are we doing today? It's uh it's it sounds like the year-end show. We're a little bit lax. So I actually had the COVID. Uh my name is Greg Mall. I'm with Roller Ramp. Um I did have the COVID a couple of weeks ago that took me down for uh, a week, probably two weeks actually to get feeling like I was back to normal. Um, And I have, uh, I have returned uh, to uh, to once again, podcast another day. So I thought uh, we would do like a year end deal, Brad, kind of a recap, of season two for the folks. What do you think about that? Is that a dumb idea? No, it's,
1: it's perfectly a good idea, actually. It's okay. And like you and I talked about, before you had COVID, so yeah. I'm around to it, and I'm glad you're feeling feeling better. And uh, now we'll see how this is going to turn out. So.
0: okay so we're actually going to start off kind of recap uh season two here and the first uh episode started out with an interview with matt magnus the roller ramp owner and ceo Uh, matt uh principal owner roller ramp who sponsors the program um which is a good thing, or there wouldn't be a podcast. So we thank Matt for that. Uh, he essentially came on and discussed a little bit about what it was like uh, to to buy a business, uh, kind of why he got into the business, uh, why this business and things, and kind of relayed that um, he had had many positions and stations in life, but he'd never been a business owner. So he was excited about that opportunity when Roller Ramp came up for sale, uh, the uh, previous owner retiring. And he was kind of drawn that uh, to it that it was helping people because the majority of the revenue from the ramp sales are to people with disabilities for access, both here in the U.S. for um, everything from boats to homes to buildings to apartments to um, wherever you might need access. So, um, what did you think uh, Matt brought to the brought brought to the table here as far as ownership, Brad, and then also as a sponsor?
1: He uh, was very knowledgeable. I mean, he seems to enjoy the fact that he's helping people. I mean he's very honored. That's my impression of it. He he, uh, he thinks we uh, just like all of us that we have the best product out there. I mean I I happen to agree. I mean a ten year warranty is unheard of. So uh, on the product. So it's it's a great great um Right, that, I can see. so what do you think buddy
0: well and he also sponsors <coughs> the show so it's always good yeah. to have a sponsor like that and then he went ahead uh episode two was selecting the right ramp uh we had a gentleman by the name of howard Rostinon. howard is from an organization called smiles which is the uh southern minnesota independent living center And what they do is set up ramps uh, very uh, inexpensively for people who are transitional care, such as have surgery, maybe they are, um, you know, end-of-life care, they need a ramp to get into their home, so they'll put that up for them. And that was interesting because it brought out a lot of things people don't think about, like what length ramp do I need? Five, ten, fifteen feet. So, for the average person, knowing what size ramp that they need for what they're trying to do isn't as easy as it might sound, is it, Brad?
1: Nope. I mean, because, uh, we, it depends. Number one, and that was how many stairs you got to go up. You know the cover yep. and Mm -hmm. you know so you know in the threshold and all all that so you know how wide you need it what you're going to use it for sure you know so uh there's a lot of uh things you have to think about in ordering the ramp
0: so yeah some different factors for sure right so for example um You've got a motorized chair and I just have a manual chair that I motivate. So um, if I'm getting into my home, I may need a ramp that is a little longer, that has a more gentle slope than you, because your power chair might be able to get up something a little, um, a little shorter, a little more steep than what I might be able to do right. powering myself. Right. So how you are going to use it? Things of that nature with uh Do you need handrails? We touched on the nice thing about uh, having a ramp that is aluminum. That was brought up is that uh, number one with a non-permanent ramp or semi-permanent ramp, you do not need to get a building permit or have it inspected. Uh, Aluminum is no maintenance. And then also you have to think about disposal when you are finished with the ramp at some point. And with the aluminum, you can either resell it or just repurpose it. Uh, or have it recycled as well. So that was a good episode. Uh, moving along, this one really uh, enlightened me. I didn't even know this existed. It's called anophthalmia. Anophthalmia. So without anthalmia eyes. So without eyes, born without eyes. Um, anophthalmia. Uh, just to kind of recap. Is a birth defect where a baby is born without one or both eyes uh, or they could have uh, I think there's another condition where they might have one eye that's small and one eye that's normal size uh, so on that episode Brad if you remember you interviewed uh, one of your uh, personal attendants Cece yep she
1: had and a
0: daughter
1: she a daughter that was uh, 21 years old and and she's, she's got this condition. Um, she also has autism and mental retardation because lack of oxygen to the brain during the time of birth. So she had, you know, there's a number of factors there, but she can't see because she doesn't have any eyes. So, and she can't talk. But she's a... Uh, you know, she goes out and about uptown, all over. Goes swimming and all that. Really, but you would think, that, you know that would be a, a really a tough situ- situation because you can't see at all, You know, and she can't talk. So that that uh, would be rough.
0: Well, it was, def- but, it was definitely a challenge. I mean. Um, because I, I think she's got other kids too, right? So,
1: well, yeah, um,
0: having you know a small child with that condition certainly uh, sounded like it took a lot more resources, a lot more energy, patience. Well, she's um, tw- she's
1: twenty one. She's twenty one now. Yeah. Yeah. Then she's got uh, two other children. And she's uh, she's kind of. Uh, taking care of, you know, like a foster parent or whatever. And oh, okay. So, you know, so everybody has to learn, you know. Those those two younger ones have to learn the, how to to relate to her, I suppose. And you know, so
0: how oh, to relate, yeah, how how any communication is done.
1: Yeah. So you know, but, but overall they're doing pretty good. I commend, I commend the crystal um, for you know not putting her in the nursing
0: home or anything
1: like that. Just well, uh,
0: yeah. See, she deserves a special blessing for. Yes, yeah, she sure does. Huh? What she's, so, uh, yeah, it's definitely a very, very hard journey to pull. So. Oh uh, yeah. And then she has a service dog too, doesn't he? For uh, she for um. So,
1: yeah, yeah, she has the. Uh, she was, uh, a, a lab, I believe at the, uh, the white lab or you know, kind of a, kind of white in color.
0: Well, what was, uh, do remember life, her name? Was, well,
1: I don't, I can't, Believe the life of me, don't remember her name, I'll have to ask you. But, uh, but he's very smart. So, you know, so, but she, but she goes, like I said, I'm amazed she can go swimming and all that, you know. So, she doesn't really slow down. So, you know, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's just super inspiring to me when I, when we were yeah. talking to her. So, uh, Anophthalmia—something that uh, didn't even know existed. Uh, season uh, two, episode four was "Living with Blindness," actually with Alan Peterson. Uh, now, just to kind of recap a little bit of that, uh, Alan is a um, acquaintance of Jennifer Miller. Share also with Roller Ramp has been on the, pod, the various podcasts. Um, is it me a professor? alan uh taught yep for many years it's actually dr alan peterson of horus Uh, he lost his vision no he wasn't born um blind actually he lost his vision when he was in his 30s yeah so like he was an adult and i would think that would be um Challenging, being in your 30s. It was a degenerative eye disease. Um, I can't remember what the disease was. But it was very inspiring because uh, one of the things he talked about was that having seen what things looked like before he was blind helped him in his vision with his pictures in his mind what so, things uh, were. It him like. with right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he gets about just like any other person. He uh, walks around on campus. I mean, he's got a very good sense of. Uh, he said, interesting comment was that uh, if you lose your sight, everything else in your senses becomes a little more sharp or yep. keen. I mean, he can almost sense if there's somebody near him. And I know he has a walking stick or a walking cane, you know. Oh sure. So, um, but yeah, he was uh, an instructor. And he, he said,
1: also talked about he also talked about the voting machines for the disabled. Oh yeah. So that that was pretty interesting. Pretty interesting
0: yeah and how those uh needed to be accessible because everyone needs to vote and so that had yep. to be addressed so i think he actually found some success with uh voting machines that were accessible i believe is, is kind of what he relayed there
1: yeah and uh and i honestly think that that what's going on with the voting rates thing uh they just listen to our podcast because I think everybody needs to have a right to vote. Oh that's yeah, oh,
0: right. oh yeah. Everybody needs to needs the right to vote as long as uh, you know it doesn't turn into a, a power hungry um, oligarchy controlling elections. You know, and deciding what rules should be and should not be. Right. Uh, but but I think I think uh, I think I think
1: c- Congress should just. Uh, make sure that none of this ever happens because it's, it's going to come down to somebody's going to mess up in the state and somebody has been I, a um, guy that, that is in charge of the voting in booth or, you know, of that particular place, you know. Uh, the other side, I'll say, ah, we don't want you. You know, I don't think that's fair. I think I think I think they should just leave leave things the way they've been known for quite a while now. So
0: well, yeah, exactly. I mean everybody is uh, has accessibility to be able to cast their vote, you know, provided they you know provide the information that's required to be able to vote. Right. So I thought what. What I thought was really cool about Alan is that he tried uh, a company had a product that was a pair of goggles, and it had a chip in them.
1: Oh yeah, I
0: don't don't remember. remember. I I think there was a chip in his eye, wasn't there?
1: I think you're right. I'm mistaken.
0: And then he wore some glasses, and they had some kind of neural impulses, but the the idea was uh, a pair of goggles that would enable people to see um, and see shapes and see your dinner plate and, you know, the outline. Uh, but when COVID happened, then they, they kind of went bankrupt and everything went south. But yeah. All right, moving along, Brad, as you see here, Season 5, Discussing Cerebral Palsy with Brad. Disgusting, justin. Yep. And Sharon. Sharon. Yes. Now Sharon Leathers uh, is from sunny Florida. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who Sharon was? Sharon
1: um, went to the same school that I did, and uh, and she. When I asked her if she would like to be on a podcast. Oh sure, um, she's an active activists like I am and uh you know and she thought this would be a good way to educate the public and so her and I were we just gonna her and I and Greg were kind of shooting the breeze I mean we that was in my opinion one of the best uh podcasts we did I mean it was uh I think it was very informative um, she was easy to talk to um she is a counselor, so she the, they would, they would know what to live to North Dakota here in Jamestown with her mom and her, and then uh, she got married to a very nice gentleman, by Brian, so, you know, and...
0: Uh, Moved down to Florida?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what she used uh, was from anyway when a grandma got sick they went and helped her uh do well, i tell you i miss her you know she's a very nice lady so
0: yeah she yeah. was pretty inspiring she was cool cool gal i mean uh sounds like she's doing well down there <laughs> i mean uh got the whole counseling thing going on um yep. Was well, she had to see there's three types of cerebral palsy that we discussed ataxic, A T sure. A X I C, ataxic, and then mm-hmm. athetoid, A F A T H A T O I D, or dyskinetic, and then spastic. Now, spastic is what you have, was where uh, the tightness in the muscles, the joints, uh, possibly speech, uh, oftentimes confined to a wheelchair. Uh, a taxic is what one of our guests had, Ted from season one. And that has to do with balance issues and um things like that, correct? And affects yeah. the walking. And then he walked at- like
1: he was drunk when he was sober, and then when he
0: was we drank a little bit and he walked drink the narrow. So it <laughs> was funny.
1: Yeah. Uh, so
0: and what's athetoid that affects. But that was very interesting. Sharon uh, is knocking it out of the park, so kudos to her. Um, And then uh, season two, episode six, we had Judy Sigley Amit. Now, Judy was Judy Sigley, but then, of course, she got married uh, not too long ago in her life. Um, Paralympian, author, activist, and, quote, odd quad. Uh, she was hurt uh, in a, uh, I believe, car- in a uh, in a car accident. Yep, she was with uh, at the time kind of a person she was seeing, a young man, and she was 18. And suddenly, her life changed. Uh, the car they were driving in was uh, hit by a drunk driver who blew through a stop sign, and judy's life was affected in an instant as can happen i know blink of an eye you're just like totally different and it was funny because she said that as the years went by they <coughs> kind of drifted apart and she didn't really talk to him anymore but then somehow they came back into contact years later uh yeah. decades later and now indeed they got married now she is a hard charger she is a a public speaker Uh, she didn't doesn't didn't and doesn't let anybody stop her I mean she was a charging force before um, even ADA was enacted Uh, Minnesota native she graduated in at uh, Concordia College which is in Moorhead Minnesota and she described herself as an odd quad and is passionate about helping people live life without limits. I actually went to a group therapy support uh, early or on in my, when I was paralyzed in 2002 from a fall out of a tree. Um, I think a couple of years into that, I was going to some, uh, she had hosted some therapy groups to kind of, you know, get people of that issue she called herself an odd quad i think because i call myself an odd para because i mean i'm in a wheelchair but yet with the use of my arms i can stand up and the use of a cane or crutches or a walker i can walk you know to some extent and judy too um i don't know if you heard that but when she gets out of a chair she can stand at the podium, you know, and to give her speeches. So, um, uh, very inspiring. She's got books out. Like I said, she, uh, uh, she had a couple of records, I believe Brad, in the Paralympics games of, uh, well, the, the actual games escaped me now, but she had a couple of records that stood for quite a while or at least, at least a little while and. uh, I don't know if it was the 400-meter or 1,500-meter. I think it was the 1,500-meter. I'd have to go back and listen to it. But Judy Sigley Amit, Paralympian author, activist, and Odd Quad. Very inspiring individual. Um, Put the message across that basically uh, your life can change. But to look at everything in perspective, right, Perspective. In other words, how you look at something. Like, thank you for firing me, Mr. Boss, because it allowed me to seek other opportunities. Thank you, girlfriend, for uh, dumping me because it will allow me to now expand my horizons and meet new people. So, how you can look at things? So, you either can uh, whine about it and feel sorry and sad for yourself, which you know, is easy to do, definitely. Or you can, you know, symbolically stand up and take the, take the torch and, and carry it forward. So definitely was inspired by that. Uh, now, season eight, which was cool. There's season two, episode eight, Gigi's Playhouse, uh, the Down Syndrome Achievement Center here in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, Heather Lawrenceon was the executive director, uh, which actually was cool. I really liked that one. That uh, now I had really not been familiar with Down syndrome, but uh, Down syndrome occurs when a baby is born with a third copy of the twenty-first chromosome instead of two. There's three, so although it's considered developmental and intellectual disability, people can live pretty normal lives with it, you know, and do a lot of great things. Uh, Gigi's Playhouse is a nonprofit and sets up classes and free programming for people with Down syndrome and their families. So it's basically uh, from before birth and all the way through adulthood, uh, coaching, uh, mentoring, uh, support, helping families to deal with uh, you know the different challenges of of education of schooling of uh you know everything to living with traveling and and everything that has to do with it so uh do you remember that heather uh Lawrence and brad and what she brought to the table for for uh for the the this, the resource center
1: oh yeah and then and then um uh, you absolutely correct. you was a go getter um and she was very interesting and then something very uh, happened uh, a few weeks later in you know, had the had a fire so we had her back on and thank God she's saved thank God nobody was hurt but the they it destroyed their uh, facility so. Yeah, that
0: that was a terrible uh, situation there because, you know, they're, as a nonprofit, they, you know, can't just self-fund. So they had to go out and uh, spread the word. There was a lot of uh, publicity on it, a lot of support, a lot of support. And uh, they went ahead and and, uh, were able to procure, uh, I think, a building of their own through that process, so uh, she came on, and yeah, I got, (laughs) I was tired just listening to Heather, because uh, the things that she does, she is so full of vim and vigor, vim and vigor is the word there. That Um, is low. Over the top. Over the top. So that was an excellent episode. Um, Now, episode nine, if you remember, Brad, was Who Was Kitty Cone? Remember that one? I sure do. Now, for those of you who didn't know, like me, Kitty Cohn, 1944 to 2015, was a serious, no crap American disability rights advocate. because she had muscular dystrophy. But what was interesting is that was back in the day, you know, back in the early 70s when they really didn't know how to diagnose anything that was neuromuscular, you know, muscular sclerosis, muscular dystrophy, ALS, all that stuff. And they initially told her she had cerebral palsy and polio. Okay. So she spent a lot of time out in California in the early 70s, organizing, community organizer for disability rights in the early 70s. And 1974 was really the touchstone moment, the beginning of it, as you remember, uh, that was the same time period that, uh, you know, Judy Human and the uh, Crip Camp, the Netflix uh, documentary, you know, started around that time because there were some some uh, civil rights laws going through the government at that time. And Kitty Cohn uh, had a really... I would recommend that anybody who wants to listen uh what it's like to be disabled and still have the fire to be an advocate. I mean, she took no prisoners. She was outspoken and strong. Uh, she never let anything stop her. I mean, when she was growing up, she had you a know, ton of challenges. She moved around place to place to place to place. To place. Um, so she definitely didn't have it easy. She had new schools to get, constantly get used to uh, we told you know a few anecdotes and stories about her life all the way from uh, you know childhood growing up and through her activism years and uh, she was active uh, speaker and I believe she also uh, was an author wasn't she Brad didn't she write uh, didn't she write a book uh, about advocacy I believe she did, yes. So her name was Kitty Cohn, and you can't mention disability rights without mentioning the name Kitty Cohn, because she was probably, what, the godmother?
1: I would, I would, I would gratify her as that,
0: yes. Probably the godmother of disability rights, you know, as far as who led the charge, who took up the, the mantle sure. to get this stuff started you know, and then get became a ground, and actually she's probably partially responsible for their even being disability rights as far as the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act and things uh, even been passed without her part of the organization, so. Yes, you're
1: absolutely correct everybody. but I think you're correct
0: to say that, yeah. So I would recommend that for anybody. Uh, episode 10 was Albinism with Dr. Morgan Foster. Uh, albinism Uh, actually albino comes from the word albinism. Uh, It's actually a a rare uh, group of genetic orders, and it causes the skin, the hair, or the eyes to have little or no color. Uh, There can be vision problems where uh, the eyes don't see quite as clearly, and sometimes they can be corrected with corrective lenses. Sometimes they can't. And about one in 18 to 20,000 people in the US, as far as the numbers go, have some form of albinism. Well, some people Morgan, you can't even tell, you know.
1: No, Dr. Morgan can't drive
0: when it gets dark because you of the what? low vision. Yeah, you start running into trees and park cars. And...
1: Well, I don't know about that bad. <laughs>
0: I don't know, that, but, you know Well, she holds a, uh, a PhD in public health and serves the disability community through her work with Easter SEALs of North Dakota. Uh, I believe she's uh, involved in management, Brad, in some capacity. Isn't that uh, of, yeah. one, of the, one of the regional facilities? Yeah, uh, the one that's, I think the one that's on here,
1: she's her, her so she doing a good job. So she's doing a great job. So, okay, I've known her for six years, and she's a sweetheart.
0: So, oh, yeah, yeah, she is a, a great one, a great resource. I know she had uh, relayed stories about uh, you know, back then, uh, you know, the kids uh, made fun of you a lot, and sounds like yeah. she had to go through uh, a lot of teasing by the kids, yeah, in school back then. Uh, but she just Forged ahead and um, yes. essentially relayed that people with elvenism have to uh, be very cautious. Wear, um uh, skin protection clothing or hats and like sunscreens and stuff like a lot. Uh, you know, even if it's cloudy, because they get burned pretty easily. Yeah, gee, I you know, it's up gonna be, get her doctorate degrees. You said something about
1: doctorate. Yeah, she made up her mind that uh, she's going uh, to get a doctorate degree. That's what she had in mind. And by golly, she got it. So you know, so I, I think that's a, a, an amazing, amazing feat that she did. Uh, she's a very she proud of herself, and you know, and she's. You know she doesn't let anything
0: uh well she worked really hard really, on it i know that really hard on it um uh, yeah, i remember sure I, I remember one story she told remember that she got really really burnt i mean just gorged herself one time yep that was the last time that uh that she did that but uh truly a joy and an inspiration oh sure. Uh, episode 11 was uh identifying as disabled in other words what does it mean to be quote disabled according to the uh cdc centers for disease control about 61 million form a disability um, as you know brad they can be very, very different and they're all, aren't always visible are they nope you can't look at somebody and say they have a disability what we did is uh, we took a look at an article from forbes magazine on identifying as disabled what it means uh, to be quote disabled, what is the actual definition? Uh, who finds themselves as disabled? How do people uh, refer to people when they talk about disabled, and how do people feel about the term them- themselves, you know, who are handicapped or have a disability? So uh, I thought it was a pretty inspiring uh, article and it covered a lot of good information that it did. It did. People can learn. A lot about yep. uh, disability and how people feel about themselves and how they like to be treated when they have disability. Exactly. Uh, and then we went ahead and uh, episode 12 was about the uh, 501c3 nonprofit organization, season two, episode 12, Uh which now is GiveAbility uh, or GiveAbility, mission to make indoors and outdoors more accessible to people with disabilities. Uh, was founded by you, of course, Brad Gabrielson, in honor of Polly, his late fiancé slash personal attendant uh, slash mother to his two children talked about the goals of the organization the fundraising and how people can help now that was posted back in june of this year so it's been about seven months uh, we might uh, you might want to chat a little bit about that just real briefly and uh, also the name of the organization now brad is giveability that is that correct and the website is giveability.net yes
1: it's um This video would be more, I think, user-friendly. And, um, you know, so so we went ahead and changed it a little. And uh, I think it's, like I said, it's going to be easier to uh, hopefully raise the money because it's very important to, I want to help as many people as I can it's expensive to uh, buy wheelchairs, especially outside wheelchairs, like a track chair, or, you know, um, they wouldn't be able to go over the snow and stuff like that, but when you're looking at it anywhere from uh, I don't know, four, maybe fourteen to $18,000 for one, then there's a few others that are anywhere from uh twenty six to $50,000 yep. some, somewhere. So and then we can help put ramps and elevators in uh, Bands to help people. We also you know, would like to help people who um, need their house uh, revamped a little bit.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I, I I can't remember doing that episode uh, too much. We're gonna have to go back and revisit that, and then probably do a uh, a new episode uh, again, uh, talking about giveability. It's a five hundred one c three organization. Uh, Brad is the founder, and talk about uh, its mission, its goals, how people can help and get involved. Uh, so that let's do that. Uh, put that on the uh, on the calendar for one of the early season three episodes. Uh, episode 13, go ahead. Uh, then of course we tucked on the fire at Gigi's, Um, And then episode 14 was terms, special needs versus disabled. Now that was cool because 24% or one in four American adults have some kind of significant physical, cognitive or mental impairment. Uh, so Brad and I went through and discussed an article from uh, Forbes Forbes called We Need to Rethink the Penalties and Rewards of Identifying as, quote, Disabled. Uh, then it went through and it talked about uh, special needs. What does that mean? What does that uh, bear out in terms of uh, responsibility for others, for, for these people, special needs as far as classrooms, uh, education? Uh, versus the term "disabled," which necessarily doesn't mean special needs at all, and uh, so that was a pretty, uh, a pretty interesting, enlightening uh, story. Uh, the next episode we went through, uh, we called it "Unchartered Territory of Disabilities." Now that was Jennifer Capel. Now we had to do a two-part on that one because she's truly has too many to go through in one episode. Uh, we broke it into two parts here. It uh, looks like about 36 minutes each. Jennifer's story is truly unique. Uh, she deals with multiple issues uh, that make just everyday life in her world very challenging. Uh, she's got an immune deficiency, which means that while other people might just get a slight case of the sniffles, she might come down with pneumonia and have to be hospitalized for weeks. Her body can't break down fat as well as protein. So think about that, Brad. Yeah, yes,
1: man. So she had to cook uh, special food just for her to eat. It was just, uh, man.
0: Well, she went down to Mayo and Mayo, uh, said that to have the combination of things going on with her has never been seen or documented to their knowledge. Yeah. Uh, She was born with some of the conditions, but did not find out until she was older, right, due to the advancement of how they check newborns when they are born. Because they don't check newborns. They didn't check them back when she was little, the way they do now to catch some of that stuff. So she just thought that, uh, you know, her mom just thought she was, you know, a picky eater because she, you know, threw up a lot, couldn't handle a lot of foods while body was rejecting, uh, you know, things like protein, milk, different fats. So uh, when she plans out her meals, I can't even imagine having to spend that much time and effort, you know, in what you're going to eat being that limited. so. Kudos to her. Um, again, that was a two-part thing uh, because of her immune deficiency. Also, she uh, has a condition, which is what, bad, uh, some kind of osteoporosis where she her bones break easily. Yep. If you remember that. So uh,
1: remember she was a DJ dance.
0: Well, first of all, she was a dancer. She was uh, danced all the time. Uh, did did plays, uh, performances, theater. Uh, yep. Then became a dance instructor. Yep. Um, and told about the struggles of uh, the facility that she was in. You know, not really being wheelchair accessible for her. Um, and so, what they kind of had to do to help, uh, you know, with that. Uh, but she went on and, to a great teaching career, is involved in business, uh, startups, as far as uh, consulting. Um, I mean, she absolutely is inspiring in every way to uh, have that many challenges and to still uh, be as successful as she is. And then uh, from that episode, we, that is episode, uh, 17, we had multiple sclerosis or MS, uh, potentially disabling disease of the brain and spinal cord, uh, which is the central nervous system. Now, the immune system attacks. Think, about it, think of it as an electrical wire, how you have a wire and then you have a protective coating on the outside. Yep. The protective coating gets uh, gets attacked, basically, which causes, you can imagine, you know, interference and connection problems between the brain and the rest of your spinal cord which is going to affect your body. Okay. Um, that d- d- doesn't affect really the way that you think you're, you know, you're still kind of the same person there. You can have balance issues. Um, uh, it can cause, uh, eventually it, it can be a progressive disease where it causes permanent deterioration. So you could be, you know, in a wheelchair, uh, you know, numbness and tingling on the extremities and things like that. So, and then we went on to uh, ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, episode 18, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis is a rare neurological disease of the brain and spinal cord, primarily affects the nerve cells responsible for controlling voluntary muscle movement, those that we choose to move. So you want to move your arm, you move your arm.
1: Yeah. I um, was never mom. My mother had
0: that. Yeah. Yeah, voluntary muscles produce movements like chewing, walking, and talking. The disease is progressive, which means that they can get worse over time. Uh, There is no cure and no effective treatment to halt the progression of the disease. Uh, So it is uh, uh, fatal. And Brad described in that one, uh, what it was like to have a mother who contracted the disease, how it takes its toll on the body and the family. And it uh, was actually pretty cool because, uh, I mean, that one was kind of heartfelt, you know. I mean, it was uh, basically what it was like to, to live in that environment and how she was strong and, you know, that type of willpower and didn't want it to affect her. But, um, you know, it has to at some point.
1: You. Yep she could hear us all in the and that's what they told us so you know she couldn't talk very well and it was really tough because uh, it seemed like when uh, she came down with Lou disease it seems like she could walk one day
0: and then, and not then uh, the next yeah
1: yeah, like yeah. then she was in the chair the next, and Dad asked me to, you know, uh, let her know it's okay to be in the chair.
0: Yeah, because she got, was she, she was proud and didn't think that oh, yeah. people looked at her as weak, and she didn't want to look weak, and so you but, talked to her and said, hey, it's okay, you know, to be in the chair. Yeah, and no
1: matter what, she was beautiful. So, so, Yeah. Sorry about that, buddy.
0: Sure, it was pretty tough, Brad. I can't can't imagine having to, you know, go through that whole process like you did.
1: He was only with the team with me. We had to raise them. Money at the at the typical center for her. There she could go to Florida. She was there for about six seven weeks. She came back and uh, and then one day, uh, she ended up in the hospital. And I thought uh, I was told she was going to get better and go home, and you know, but she didn't, and passed away. So. It seemed like it was about a year from the time she got I was able to walk until dumb she, she passed away. So you know, but now we have a lot more research about the disease and, and um, you know, I'm mainly from football players they you know oh get yeah all the time. Mm-hmm. We're getting more and more.
0: Yeah, more and more uh, cases because of the nature of the game.
1: Right, and so but when when mom and, and up getting Lou Gehrig's disease not very many uh, females got it at the time. Most men. Right. So, you know so that's it's been quite a while, but, but uh, I don't know. I just, hopefully someday we'll be able to find a gear for a lot of these uh, disabilities. And uh, it would be pretty cool.
0: Oh, it'd be awesome. And I think they will. They're making progress all the time on this stuff, so... Uh, yeah. So that was a particularly touching. One. Then we did a uh, we did a two part series on the Paralympic Games uh, that were uh, going on uh, in August. So we did some stories of encouragement there. Uh, then did a two part series on the Pride of Dakota, which is North Dakota companies who are um, you know start their own companies and you know everything is is North Dakota uh, produced. And then ended up uh, with Paws for Ability, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. And they provide uh, quality service dogs with children because uh, nobody was providing service dogs for children. Uh, the founder said that uh, nobody would give her or help her get a dog because they didn't. Nobody gives dogs for service dogs for kids. But she decided that the parent and the kids can act as one, with the dog being the service dog for the kid. And the adult helping, you know, accomplish that. So, um, and they also provide the dogs to uh, veterans who've lost uh, limbs or hearing, and uh, educate the public regarding use of the service dogs. Uh, just a great organization. So it was a pretty good, pretty good season overall. Brad uh, Dad definitely had a lot to talk about. So, uh, yeah. looking forward to series. Uh, See but uh, that'll wrap it up for uh, for the uh, the yearly season two recap if you will uh, any closing comments brad before you sign us on out today again no i mean this year it was very educational i think don't you think so yeah we're gonna have to try pretty hard to beat season two brad so we're gonna have to pull A <laughs> game because i don't know i don't know that was it's gonna be hard to beat we're gonna have to really with the guests and stuff so
1: yeah and and uh so yeah but it was very educational i think and um very worthwhile, so... Very, um, very worthwhile. Um, so, if everybody gets a chance to listen to them, uh, please do so, because, because people with disabilities are very intelligent. They're, they know what they want to do in life, and uh, they're very cool people. And one thing I like about... the disabled community. Um, we all, we're all all in a club together that nobody really wants to be in, but once we get in,
0: there's some cool people. It's a special club, Yep. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, Brad, for the good podcast today. You're so welcome.
1: Thank you. And thank you for uh, listening to another podcast of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal podcast. My name is Brad Gabrielson, along with Greg Moore. Thank you, Greg. God bless everybody.
0: God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. Sponsored by Roller Ramp. This podcast features Brad Gabrielson, who encourages everyone with a disability to live life to the fullest. Rolleramp is a global company based in North Dakota dedicated to helping people find solutions to accessibility needs. We hope you'll join us again next time on Living with a Disability No Big Deal.